Welcome to the Transform Sales Podcast, where forward-thinking business leaders come to share their experiences and ideas, learn from each other, and amplify their results together. All right, we are today with Josh Witt from Kared. Josh, how are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me. Awesome, Josh. Great to have you on the show. Uh, why don't we start the session by telling the audience a little bit about your background, how you got into the sales role or the sales industry in general. Uh, please share a little bit about your history. Yeah, I was fortunate to join a company slightly after undergrad that was a startup B2B software as a service firm here in Ohio. And that spiraled into three successful B2B SaaS companies anywhere between 30 million to 250 million. And I was always focused on the sales and marketing and go to market strategy inside of those companies. Um, and then that fast forwarded into us going and buying companies and creating our agency at the same time to help us grow those companies that we purchase uh, after the acquisition, which spiraled into us working with a variety of other clients. The agency itself uh, started to grow on its own. Okay, that's an interesting journey because most of the journeys I've seen do not necessarily go through the acquisition and then having to, hey, I also need to do sales for these companies. Now let's grow them, but rather through the I've been in sales. I became a manager. Eventually, I started my own gig. So this is an interesting journey. Uh, multiple companies you mentioned. Now, throughout this journey and throughout these years, you probably have found a couple of niches that you can perform better or have more experience working with. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, share maybe who are the best fit customers for Caret today? So we do really well with B2B service and B2B software companies that have grown from their creation to date through predominantly word of mouth referrals, doing really good work and relying on inbound lead sources. And typically those companies hit a point where the word of mouth and referrals aren't scalable to the level that they need to provide the returns that they're looking for. Um, or the inbound lead channels become competitive and very expensive. And so it's not a way for them to really scale the organization. So they need to start building an outbound sales organization, which is when we typically find uh, the most success partnering with them. Okay, wonderful. So companies that, as you mentioned, they've grown organically, mm, referrals, word of mouth, but have not necessarily exercised their outbound muscle. It's okay. almost like a setup, uh, the beginning, right, of the target. They may have an idea of who the target audience is, but you're setting up everything, the messaging, the outbound, uh, how to get in touch, uh, from scratch, and you mentioned also if the inbound uh, leads that they're getting become uh, a little bit competitive in the market, that's also where you can help. When it comes to the industries, would you say there's a specific vertical or niche that you work best with? Uh, it's a wide variety of verticals. Really, it's more the attributes of the organization than it is the attributes of, of the industry they're going after. I would tell you that um, businesses that have a more hyper-specific problem that they're solving tend to have more success because when you find a commoditized type service like fractional HR services, for example, if you don't have a really unique differentiator and you stop relying on people who are already raising their hand in an inbound lead source or people who are referred to you from your friend next door, it's hard for you to overcome the competition. Whereas if you have a very strong value proposition uh, a very unique problem that you solve or you've differentiated yourself from the competition in a meaningful way, when you start to go outbound, you can still have success and resonate with your audience. 
So, I mean, the, most SaaS applications are, are built this way. So we do really well with SaaS companies. Um, if there's somebody who's approaching a B2B service in a way that is highly differentiated from their market positioning all the way through to the way they deliver their service, then we tend to have a lot of success with them as well. Okay, wonderful. So you've mentioned that doesn't really depend on what they sell, but rather who they're targeting. And on the, uh, the side of what they sell, it's rather their company, their maturity, or almost like their product market fit. Um, you mentioned as long as it's not too commoditized and there's an honest need uh, or a huge problem that they can alleviate, your services can become better fit. So how about we uh, share maybe a, a specific service offering? I know that you guys are doing appointment setting. And you share maybe a case study of one of your customers, what industry were they in, what geographies and languages were they targeting, and a little bit of the results that they got before and after working with Caret. Yeah, I think one of the struggles about talking about our service offering in just one category is the actual way that we tend to work with these clients. And so uh, what we find is that in order for a team to be successful going outbound, they need multiple pieces coming together it's not just one specific area just it's not just hey i can put bdrs on the phones and they'll get meetings on the calendar for you because then all of a sudden the playbook that you're taking them through is different than the playbook you use for inbound leads so you need that portion as well so a really good case study client that we have and i'll leave them anonymous um they're a SaaS solution that exact store i described earlier almost entirely have driven the business growth to date on google pay-per-click Um, that's become very competitive. It's uh, become challenging for them to optimize, especially with the algorithms changing on Google, and they need to scale the company faster. And so they came to us and said, hey, how can we do this? And it became a multi-pronged uh, situation. We first started with saying, okay, what problem do you solve and who do you solve it for at a really deep and meaningful level? So we did a market segmentation for them, found an entire market category to go after that was fairly untapped and positioning that would resonate with them. Then we took that over and said, okay, here's how you warm leads through digital marketing. And then this is how you put reps on the phone to go after those warm leads to get qualified meetings on the calendar. And then once those meetings hit the calendar, we built their playbook process and funnel so they could understand how to talk to those leads, how to process them, how to overcome the fact that that lead wasn't raising their hand from day one or referred to them from their friend next door, and then uh, help them implement that sales playbook and funnel into their internal CRM. So that way they could facilitate the sales and marketing process. So when we first, when they first came to us across four sales reps, technically almost five, because one person was doing pretty much uh, a bunch of uh, BDR work, they were setting about two and a half meetings a week per across all five people. So most people were getting zero meetings per week. Um, so around eight to 10 a month. Fast forward, we're two months into the project. We're setting five meetings per rep per week. And so we're seeing upwards of 25 to 30 uh, being set on a monthly basis per rep. So a tremendous amount of success. The deals are closing. They've already had multiple deals closed in that two-month time frame, which was actually surprising how quick their sales cycle was as you start going through that outbound motion. And they're scaling the business now. Wow, that sounds amazing, Josh, particularly because I noticed uh, you didn't just mention the outbound that you execute with the team, but also a little bit of the intervention and the 
the way the sales strategy was being executed, how you started with uh, clarifying some information around digital advertisement, then the sales strategy, the messaging, the outbound. And you mentioned it was more than a 10x improvement because 2.5 meetings across the team, you mentioned then five meetings per rep. Uh, so that would be if it was a five people team, 25 meetings, 2.5 to 25. It's a great um, improvement in just two months time. Now, I want to break a couple think, of uh, things. I think a bit yeah, to note on that too is that, you know, part of those results are the changes that were made in the coaching that was done. Part of it is because we did the market segmentation up front, identified a market that was lucrative. And so when those two worlds come together, that's why it became so powerful. So it wasn't just, you know, we, we totally did a bunch of magic and because we changed some things in their sales process, we had 10 X results, but when you put the pieces together, that's why the, the results were so significant. So I didn't mean to cut you off. But. Okay. How long did it took you to do that market segmentation? Our entire onboarding process with them was about 45 days. And then we had another about 45 days of implementation. Okay. That's good because it's not a long time frame for what most people are looking for in the marketplace. Um, and you did mention, I'm assuming here, but please correct me. This is a customer who you did market segmentation, updated basically the target audience, the ICP on who to go after. But you would also have customers that they come with that idea already and they tell you, Josh, this is who we're going after. Can you just follow our compass? Is that also true? Yeah, exactly. And that was part of the onboarding process. We interviewed their current clients and the current market they'd been going after. But the problem was a lot of it was their current clients were all a little bit different. And so that's really mm -hmm. where they struggle when we came to them on day one. Had they said, hey, we service this customer really well, we would have been happy to just go after that customer. But they were okay. a little unsure themselves. Perfect. Now, let's talk a little bit about um, the sources that you use for the leads. If someone was considering to hire this service, the appointment setting service from you guys, um, what type of platforms or processes can you put at their disposal when it comes to lead building? Uh, I mean, we use a variety of different tools depending on what the client needs so i mean it really starts with who is their customer profile and where is their attention at and where do i find data on that customer profile that i need to be successful so um like if we're just talking about that client in particular you know we did a lot of uh display social work to warm the leads and kind of took them through this digital journey we found the data through a multitude of tools everything from zoom info to apollo to sales navigator um and then a variety of different content that we were taking them through and, and monitoring their interactions. And then when those leads hit a certain threshold, we would then hand them off to our VDR teams, use a variety of different technology tools from their CRM to sales automation to parallel dialing to get the qualified meetings on the calendar. Okay. Tell me a little bit about, you, you started mentioning that the parallel dialers and uh, phone channels. Tell me a little bit about the sequences. What channels do you guys typically use uh, to book or reach the prospect's attention? You mentioned what you're going to use on the campaign depends on where your uh, audience attention is. But in general, what are the channels that you typically use and, and how long would be, let's say, an average sequence? How many touch points would a lead receive on average? So once the leads are handed off to the SDR, BDR team, they're typically going to be deploying uh, phone calls and emails predominantly would leverage some text messages with the right audience, LinkedIn, if it's the right audience, but a very unique way of approaching them on LinkedIn and the touch points 
probably going to be somewhere around 25 to 30 over the course of a 14 day period. Again, the, the playbooks will, will vary based on clientele and who we're going after and what makes the most sense. But on average, I would say that's what a typical setup would look like. Is there like a preferred, um, let's say, target job title? Do you have a better preference in when it comes to reaching operational leaders, sales leaders, marketing leaders, IT leaders, or it really doesn't matter? You do have the capabilities to, let's say, everything from C-suite, VPs and directors, different departments, you can reach those. Yeah, I don't think we've ever had any shortcomings or limitations based on your title or role within the organization. I would say we're pretty agnostic there. Okay. Is there any strength on the other side? Let's say like, Hey, we just happen to have most of our deals with VPs of sales, for example. Uh, I think VPs of sales are more likely to answer their phone and be by their phone. I think when you start going after like, you know, fortune 500 it leaders, you struggle a little bit because they're not typically monitoring their email. They're not typically monitoring their phone on a regular basis. Not very extroverted people who want to have conversations so you got to approach them a little bit differently and the large organizations you get into those fortune 500 style they have more gates and filters that are going to stop you from getting to the people to have the meaningful conversations but there's tactics you can deploy is we really focus on quality over quantity and what we mm -hmm. find is that when you focus on quality over quantity you're able to bypass a lot of those restrictions and challenges that somebody might face if they're hoping that they're going to land meetings with people by just putting AI systems in place and spraying spraying yeah spraying brain thousands of people yeah that makes sense now Josh uh, one last question on the topic of this success story what could someone expect when it comes to reporting what did you report to this client what sort of uh, KPIs do you report just productivity conversions and how often can they meet um maybe to discuss or get some feedback around those reports. So when we first started the engagement, we were meeting weekly. We were talking through the research findings, everything that we were suggesting from a change standpoint. And now we meet biweekly and we talk through KPIs that we're achieving at the top of the funnel. You know, where, what ads are we using? What messaging is working? How much are we spending? How many meetings are hitting the calendar? Or who are we getting in contact with? What value propositions resonating? And then they're reporting back onto us uh, with the playbook that's in place and the process and funnel where, where are these deals at within the funnel? Are they turning into clients? Are they progressing? We meet with some clients more often than that. I would say the standard though, once you get rolling and the campaign is off and running, you're going to be meeting bi-weekly. And then we've also given that client access into all of our database systems. So if at any time they want live insights into what's going on, they just have to log in and look themselves. Excellent. That's one thing that I wanted to ask because some companies only provide access to the information or the leads that do turn into a meeting and not really the full database that's being worked or even the reasons why people are not taking the meetings. It sounds like you do provide almost like a 360 report. What's moving forward, what's not, but also on the side of your customers, what are they uh, converting into opportunities that close versus the ones that not, right? Correct. Okay. Perfect. So uh, I guess you answer everything around reporting. We, we touch a little bit on sequences and, and how you build a lead list for your customers. Why don't you tell me maybe some uh, advice that you can share with buyers, people in the audience that may be listening to this episode and considering to hire Caret for their outbound or lead generation efforts. What would be some tips you can tell them to achieve the results they expect faster when they hire you? 
Yeah, that's a good question. It's tough. I think, uh, you know, if they're, if, if it's the advice is between us versus others, I think they have to go with who they, they feel really understands their company and understands the go to market strategy. And if somebody's trying to deliver them kind of a, uh, one size fits all approach. I would be a little bit skeptical on on that approach. Um, now, if they're trying to evaluate if we are indeed the right fit for them and be the best uh, best prepared to make the project successful, I would say coming to the table and being very vulnerable about what they are and are not good at, and knowing that at a pretty deep level is going to help us create the best approach for them and help us have the most success. Because if they say, for example, you know, they service uh, facility managers inside of education schools with 1,000 to 2,000 students, and all of a sudden we put all of our work and effort around that, we take that as gospel. Uh, next thing we know, you know, we're, we're very deep into a go-to-market strategy and implementing spending money. And if that wasn't necessarily the value proposition doesn't resonate with that audience as much as they thought we could find ourselves wasting a lot of time and money very quickly. So I think, you know, being honest with yourself about, do we really, do we really know what problem we solve, who we solve? And a lot of successful companies do not. And so that's the biggest one I bring up. Um, and, and other things that can come along the lines. Do we really have a good sales playbook in place? Are we, are we really willing to trade what got us to where we are today for where we want to go going forward is another way to think about it too, because most companies are not. And that's going to hold them back from hitting that barrier of past 5 million ARR, 10 million ARR, mm -hmm. uh, getting the company where they, they say they wanted to go. I like how you speak about that, let's say, change management in the sense of it's a trade-off, right? Um, and also, you mentioned, I think your, your first comment was also around transparency, right? The more transparent we can be both ways... Uh, around our strengths and weaknesses, where we need help and where we believe we can find some gold, the better the relationship is going to be um, and the stronger the results are going to be. Awesome. Josh, is there anything else that you would like to share with the audience before we wrap up the episode? No, I think that's all I got. Awesome, Josh. Appreciate your time. Team, if you want to find Caret, you can look for them in the Cloudtos Marketplace. Happy to make an introduction. Thank you, Josh, for your time. Hope to see you on the next one. Likewise. Thank you.